Hello, all, and welcome back uh, from our Memorial Day vacation. Uh, Close and Quintro of the fourth kind. I took a break last week because uh, I was out of town uh, visiting family in John's old stomping ground in St. Louis. Uh, and now we're back, um, ready to go here in the summer. Uh, I'm your Kansas City host, Jude Hunt, uh, Faith Outreach Director for Habitat for Humanity and Utility uh, Adjunct Professor of Philosophy, along with? Uh, John Gonzalez, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm here in Brooklyn, uh, and we have, I, we're, I don't know if our, our hearers know this, but you know, we do this, we're seeing each other while we're having the conversation. I think it helps. It helps yes. for us to, to do that. And so Jude is, has the entertainment of seeing, uh, you know, my fiance walk, walk behind. I'm, I'm being entertained right now with, uh, I think, I didn't realize you had a dog there. So you, um, but evidently you do. I, yeah, yeah, we do have a dog. Yeah, so she's a new, she's a relatively new dog. We got her uh, right before Mother's Day. Um, we had uh, our previous dog pass away last year. And, um, this is Cleo, um, and uh, she is relatively new to us. Yeah. And, and, who, do, and who do we have? Who am I looking at behind well, you? Right this there? is Simon. This is my youngest. He was the one oh, who came hello, with me Simon. to St. Louis um, last week. Yeah. So, oh, wonderful. And wonderful. I got to see your um, fiance and your daughter, or, or, or is your son there? No, yeah. no, my son's oh. not here. No, no, no. He, I, I, I was fortunate just to be with him yesterday, but. No, 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 he's not. He's that's not right. here. That's and Wendy's right. here, but she's got to go. Uh, she's got her motherly responsibilities. Her boys are are playing uh, baseball today, so there you go. And she's going. She's going to be heading out anyway. Uh, long introduction. Sorry, folks. Uh, so I'm uh, John Gonzalez from here in Brooklyn, and actually in very hot and sunny Bensonhurst. Um, Director of Parish and Community Relations for Catholic Charities of our diocese over here and adjunct professor at St. John's University. Uh, and if you don't mind me go, you know, going uh, ahead with this, uh, apologies yeah. to our listeners. Uh, for uh, last week, we, were, uh, we had radio silence uh, in observance of the Memorial Day. Uh, and it wasn't intentional. It wasn't that we, we planned this. It, it just got busy. It got busy with, uh, with, on the one hand, Memorial Day, but Sometimes for us in, in ministry, uh, this is the, usually, it can be like the, the lighter period for, uh, you know, for many of us. Um, but in this case, uh, that was, that, that's just for us anyway, it's actually quite busy. It's getting quite busy. There's a lot of transitions that are happening. And so, um, you know, we're facing one of those and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it got, it just, that's what happened. And so we weren't able to do a show last week, but here we are. Here we are. And. Um, you know, in the last two weeks, we've had a lot of things happen. Um, we're not going to talk about all of them, um, but we are going to sort of wrap them up into a larger um, theme. Um, and it's kind of bringing together two things. Uh, on the one hand, um, both of us being Jesuit trained, we, we're um, always into that, that Ignatian idea of finding God in all things. Um, and uh, you know how can we use that in our experiences to develop formation of people um, in faith life um, and um, developing uh, a sense of discernment uh, of our experiences and whatnot that are um, 
that flow into the Catholic tradition and relate to and connect to the larger tradition so that we can uh, understand God's uh, movement and activity in our lives. And so that's sort of a larger theme here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know this is something, John, you've been working a lot on um, throughout your career. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, we both do it as, as, uh, as teachers. I mean, that's, I, I, I'm not going to speak for you, Jude, but certainly as one of the, the lens that I have when I think about my students, you know, to be honest with you, I always ask them in the beginning of the semester, uh, you know, what's, what are you doing? Why, why are you taking this course? And we know the uh, majority of the answer is it's, it's a core course. I have to take the course. Uh, which is not the answer you want to hear, but it's kind of the answer you really do expect. Uh, so, so my the the lens that I have is okay. That's that's their reality, and I I'm, I'm that's that's just the way it is. I, I'm a college student. I was a college student myself, so that's that that was you know my truth, uh, you know, for many of my courses. But how do I you know get them to see value and meaning in this? And for me, it's usually been the lens. It's been two. It's been the lens of formation, and I tell them this, and I and I explain that in the first day of class and with the syllabus. Formation in two ways: formation for you as a person. So, I, and I and I just you know as I go through the syllabus, I tell them where it's leading towards with the you know virtues and values of the tradition. So it's not just that you know the tradition, but how does it form you, uh, you know, as a person? And then secondly, how does it form you professionally? You know, a lot of these are ethical principles that have a lot to do not only with the personal decisions that we make in life, but with some of the, the difficult decisions that we're going to be facing in our careers and all that. And uh, and I do that. I do that, um, you know, with uh, at the end with looking at uh, codes of conduct. And I said, these are you're going to know this language specifically of whatever profession you're going into uh, because you have to, they, you know, you have to and you will be taking corporate compliance programs and you, you know, that's just your, that's going to be your reality. So then I, I, my goal is to let you know about that and to, and to, and to have you appreciate that. Uh, and, and then Ted uh, videos has some wonderful instruction about the challenges of that. So formation for me is, is very important. Uh, and that's the lens that I carry when, when I teach, but at Catholic charities, we're going through, as I was just mentioning, you know, a transitional moment. And one of the things that I'm very excited that seems to be emerging, which, you know, is, is in my, in my list of passions is not only to get volunteers or parishioners, um, you know, to, to participate and to become quote unquote social ministers and to participate in, 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 in the various programs of charity that we give but how can we get them to experience, go through that experience and be formed in their, you know, Catholic faith? I'm thinking, and I was, you know, mentioning this to you earlier um, before we started the show, Jude. Uh, you know, I don't know about where you're at. I'm assuming right now that it's probably going to be a lot of the same stuff. But uh, here where there's a lot of talk and a lot of focus in the parish level about how to bring them back how to bring the Catholic community back to the church and all that. Not, you know, we're, we're slowly emerging into a post-COVID environment. Uh, a lot of the, the folks in the pews uh, got used to the online uh, programs and all that. Uh, 
and certain masses, but we want them to come back and we want them to have a sense of community, which to be honest, and a lot of uh, parishes are being very honest about this. Um, we probably weren't the best at even making that community thing happen even before COVID. So it's kind of like, well, maybe this is a new opportunity to create that concept of community. Uh, so, so there seems to be this, uh, uh, this opportunity, I'm calling it, uh, where uh, we want folks to come in, but we want to be intentional with, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, church, how the experience of charity can come together to really do what it was supposed to. When it sounds to me like many people realize we kind of took it for granted, the idea that we are a community. Um, and then something like COVID happens uh, and makes us rethink this. And so how do we, how do we bring that back? It's, it's gotten me thinking about, um, you know, getting, you know, Catholic charity uh, uh, brochures and stuff like that, that can, uh, or booklets that can be really uh, focused at the parish level, uh, you know, bringing people into this combined level of formation to say, when you go to Eucharist, even something as, you know, the, 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 the ritual of Eucharist is such a, it's, a, it's the biggest aspect of our, uh, of our sacramental life. But what does that mean, right? And you hear some people, and, and uh, uh, Jude, you were saying this, a lot of it is in the head. A lot of what we get instructed, a lot of our instruction happens to be, you know, in the head. It's the source and summit. Well, what does that actually mean? And so to get people to to see to 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 have that um, that employ their feelings and to and to see what it means is that you become Christ and, and think about that what does it mean that you become Christ for others? Well, that 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 really there's little ambiguity. It means that you go out there and you serve one another. And then of course the the, the penultimate question: Who is my neighbor? You know the famous question that Jesus got asked. Well, everybody, everybody who's in need is your neighbor. So now welcome to Catholic Charities. <laughs> and this is um, the opportunity for the, per the parish community to, to see how we've employed this aspect and how can we bring those things together and, you know, through the use of, uh, of looking at the Eucharist from that angle and having people reflect on that. So the, the privilege of being able to go down the aisle, the privilege of being able to accept Christ and you know, the, the true body, no longer, you know, I don't know about any other church. I think, I think we're not going to be seeing the, uh, uh, the blood. Uh, the, for a while. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, I'll be surprised if it comes back to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, to receive the body of Christ. And then what does that, what does that mean? What is my, what is, what is it that I'm actually saying to myself and how does that inform me? With going out there, <laughs> all that to say, and I'm going to pass this, uh, you know, back to Andy. But all this to say, when we do experiences in Catholic charities, when we have people do our pop-up food pantries, our uh, health fairs, when we bring volunteers, we want them not just to see it as charity in, in the mm. most, you know, blase uh, idea. Oh, look, I, I feel good. I just did this. No, but really, even think about how does this a, a, a how can you think about this as an essential aspect of your faith experience? And what what can we do? And this is this is this is this energy right now is to think about what can we create so that people can be can walk away with reflection questions, 
process for them to come back maybe virtually to have these conversations about this experience moved me in this way and now going to church has this different meaning of course you know that's the hope but we'll see we'll see i i think uh you know for me the idea of having formation is is a great opportunity for many of us in this post-covid experience yeah um i think that's an important point john um you know, I think a lot of Catholics sort of see, yeah, we got Catholic charities, but it's kind of over here. Um, you know, we've sort of, you know, compartmentalized it, uh, uh, you know, in some sort of a corporate structure of, oh, yeah, here's our charity stuff. Here's what we do over here. But we're not, um, you know, we don't do enough to connect everybody to that work. It's, uh, uh, and, uh, and that's the real challenge you know, throughout Christian ministry in general, that, that um, you know, people have gotten engaged in the liturgy. Um, you know, one of the great successes of the council was to engage people in the liturgy, uh, you know, that conscious active participation. And we have a number of people, you know, involved in liturgical ministry and whatnot. So that was the, you know, um, so that was one of the goals of the council. But the other goal of, of the council was to go from that to, you know, deep engagement in people's lives in the world. You know, the Gaudium et Spes, half of this, that uh, that we have to take our liturgical experience where we encounter Christ. You know, today is the body and blood of Christ. This is uh, the Feast of Corpus Christi. We encounter Christ uh, there. <clears throat> but as you said, you know, we also encounter Christ in our neighbor. Um, and if we neglect that, if we separate our experience of Christ in the Eucharist from our experience of Christ and others, then we're then we're not fully living our Christian life. Um, we're only, you know, uh, living it somewhat vicariously. Uh, and and the whole goal of liturgical life is to lead us to encountering and uh, inviting people to Christ. You know, out here, um, and <clears throat> um, you know. Our formation, you know, programs, as you mentioned, have, you know, largely been from the neck up, uh, you know, very intellectual, very abstract. We are, you know, focused on the, you know, on the teachings of our faith and all these different, um, uh, uh, you know, creeds and things like that. And those are not unimportant things. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> um, you know, the final judgment is not a catechism quiz. Uh, you know, the final judgment, seven questions, uh, it, you know, from Matthew 25, you know, did you, you know, did you feed the hungry? Did you clothe the naked? Did you visit the imprisoned? Did you do all these different things? <clears throat> and so how do you get, you know, ordinary Catholics involved in this? And one of the things I experimented with when I did RCIA ministry, you know, the, there's always that challenging uh, time of mystagogy, you know, after Easter, how do you get people, you know, to come to those sessions. And so what I did is um, I took a page out of uh, Just Faith Ministries. Um, uh, Just Faith Ministries has these uh, things called the Journey to Justice Day. Um, and what it is, it's a one-day uh, event where you um, <clears throat> you set up experiences where people go to different uh, uh, places to encounter, you know, Christ and the poor. Uh, and so I set up days like that where I had a Catholic Charities come. Uh, and, and so we have uh, Catholic Charities have this thing called um, um, uh, Restart. It was a reentry program. And so they would bring folks who were who were imprisoned, uh, who were coming out of the uh, 
you know, coming out of the prison system and are, you know, re-entering society. So I would send a group there. I would send another group to a, to another Catholic charity site that was working with immigrants, uh, you know, uh, uh, over in a Hispanic parish. And so they would go there. And I would send another group to another Catholic charity site that was a soup kitchen that was feeding people at lunchtime. And, uh, and they would go and they would serve a meal, but also sit down and eat with, you know, with the clients there. And so you had all these different people um, spending the day at these places. And then they would come back in the afternoon. So after those things were over, they would come back in the afternoon <clears throat> and, and they would share their experience. What was the, you know, what was that like? Um, <clears throat> and it was a very remarkable thing. I'll never forget this, uh, this one man who is, uh, who himself, um, who, who himself had been a convert years ago, but he was a sponsor actually for somebody else. And, uh, he was a part of my RCA team. And, and so I sent him with his group, um, over to, um, over to the reentry program at, at Catholic charities. And, uh, he came back and he said, he said, can I talk to you? Privately, and I said, sure. And so he pulled me aside and he looked at me and he said, you know, he said, when I went to that site, he said, I was really angry with you. <clears throat> I was really, really mad because I did not want to go to that site. Um, I have, and he shared his, his feelings and experience of, of, you know, folks in prison and the attitudes that he had about, you know, about inmates, which are, you know, typically negative, you know, um, you know, the judgmental attitudes we have about you know, about those in prison. But he said, you know, he said, I'm so glad you sent me there because he said the scales fell from my eyes and he said, I cried. He said, this, you know, these two individuals were sharing their experience and, uh, you know, and, and I actually, you know, got to understand, you know, their stories and their plights and, and to see what Catholic Charities is doing for them. Um, and I said, you know, and, and I took that and I said, you know, this is what it's all about. This is, you know, we have to find some way to do this on a regular basis with people um, because you know, he, he's hooked, you know. Right, um, right. So I don't know if you guys do anything like that. Do you have any? Well, we're actually, we're, we're talking about it. We're, again, this is, uh, there's a lot of, you know, transitional things that are happening. So, so that's... Uh, Journey to Justice actually came up uh, in, in conversation. Now, I'm thinking of it, I know Just Faith took it over. I knew Journey to Justice when it was a CCHD program. And it was very intentional to get parishes uh, connected with CCHD. But that experience that you mentioned, the word that comes to mind, uh, you know, and, and I think sometimes it's, if we go into the theological uh, education, like you, like you know, we've been saying, it's a lot of head stuff, a lot of doctrinal stuff. There is a place for that. There's also a place for that at the level of the people who um, we want to form. We need to get the head and the heart brought together. But the, you know, it's it's it'd be great for the larger community, the larger you know parish community or parishioners to know about metanoia. What was Christ talking about? What is the church talking about with metanoia? Not just, okay, you're baptized. You know, all these things can seem very ritualistic. Um, my God, I just think about my students when I ask about confirmation. And, you know, they're like, it's okay. It's fine. I think this happened. I never heard of I had no idea this was supposed to, it, it was supposed to be this or that. 
Um, so it's kind of like, no, there's, there's, you know, these sacraments are larger than life. Um, you know, and how do we, and how do we, you know, recognize that? And, and so conversion, metanoia, it's not just about water coming to an infant. It's this ongoing conversion. And what that fella shared with you was metanoia. And I don't know, if, you know, I would have taken a little bit of the opportunity to say, this is your, this is how you're, 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 you're born again. You know, moment. You know, this is how you're being baptized. Not only, you know, your your baptism is growing, and this is and what you just shared with me is is a is Paul falling from his horse. You know, uh, and and so you know, I just I just think that's that's the goal. That's what we want to hear with Journey to Justice, and that's exactly what I like to to look for now here in Brooklyn. When when these conversations are taking place, <clears throat> there's many issues. Um, that, that we can get with regards to the undocumented, with regards to, you know, uh, even ecology with one of our uh, newest uh, CCHD uh, fundies, which uh, they do great work on, on recycle, recycling, renewables, and all that. And we, you know, so the question is, how do, we, how do we engage this at the, at the parish level? But probably even the, the greatest challenge that we're facing here and where Journey to Justice comes up as, you know, this seems to be something that we could, you know, really get to not only have formation, but metanoia is racism, you know, is, you know, we have some parishes in very, um, you know, African-American communities, some parishes in very Hispanic communities, uh, other in very Asian communities and other in very white communities. And, you know, uh, community to community you have different ways of thinking you have different experiences and that of course gives you you know your own you know subculture and you think about it this way um how can we bring those together how can we get you know uh these experiences and maybe uh, a program that looks at at dealing with uh african-american youth um with uh through music through uh you know creating uh bands and all that to you know, to 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 you know, hook them forward and have them see have other communities see hear their experiences and have those metanoia moments. Um, but that's where on the issue of racial dialogue, that's where we're wondering if Journey to Justice may be a place for us to 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 start developing that. You know, that's a great that's a great connector. And you know, um, you know, it's often been said that, you know, Sunday is the most segregated day of the week um, because, you know, our congregations are generally <laughs> self-selected, you know, uh, you know, segregated into our, you know, different ethnicities. And, you know, that was part of the immigrant experience here in America, you know, as a Catholic, you know, we, we clustered ourselves, you know, into different regions of the city and our parishes, you know, reflected those, those ethnicities and whatnot. And, you know, some of that was an accident of history and some of it wasn't. And, um, um, you know, uh, we have to find a way to, to make the body of Christ more <laughs> like it really is instead of having it being so segregated the way it is. And one of the things when I was in Chicago um, and I ran the Peace and Justice Office there, one of the many things that um, I had to cover um, was a program that Chicago has called Sharing Parish. Um, and um, Sharing Parish, um, you, you know, John, you probably heard about it when you were there, was this, uh, it started off, you know, in the 60s with um, pastors, you know, just kind of did this ad hoc where you had these urban core pastors, you know, who formed these relationships with, 
you know, more affluent, you know, parishes in Arlington Heights and other places uh, to, um, you know, a part of it was financial, you know, the need of those urban core churches, but a part of it was was uh, relational, though, too. Um, <clears throat> and so one of the things we were looking to do is to not make it just about money that um, so we were trying to get pastors to do, you know, uh, uh, pulpit swaps where, you know, each would, you know, go to the others and share the experience of their parish with with that other parish. We also did things like um, 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 choir swaps where you'd have, you know, the choirs come and do their their different um, types of music. Um, and that's an amazing thing because I, you know, if, if reincarnation is real, I want to come back as a black Baptist because I, um, African-American um, worship is just the most and, um, you know, so you you bring an African-American choir, you know, out of the, you know, out of the neighborhood and into Arlington Heights and, you know, they're just blowing the windows out. It's, it's a, um, and it's it's a real. Uh, and, but uh, but then we also created little events like dinners where, uh, you know, the different parishes come together and people can. Um, hear each other, or we created these experiences of ministry with Catholic charities or whatnot, where they did common work together in, you know, uh, you know, in a population that needs to be served. So um, I don't know if Brooklyn has anything like Sharon Parish. <clears throat> no, we uh, actually I did hear about Sharon Parish in Chicago, um, and uh, and that and that was at that time, and I worked on on um, Cabrini Green. I forgot the Saint Joseph. Kind of mistaken, actually. Uh, over by Cabrini Green with a uh, an affluent parish in the Gold Coast uh, of Chicago, and that again was also connected with CCHG <clears throat> because we at that time we were supporting the protect uh, coalition protect public housing. So this was back when uh, a lot of the public homes were being uh, dismantled in, in Chicago, and but it was it was both and it was kind of like a, it was a tripart of relationships. Uh, a low-income parish in an affected area, a well-to-do parish, uh, and then of course this community organization uh, and 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 the work that they did that was relevant to to both communities. Uh, so because they weren't that far away, the Gold Coast, as you know, Gold Coast and, and Cabrini Green, they are night and day with economic status, and yet they're only like blocks away. You know, so um, so yeah, here. Uh, the terminology is Parish tw uh, 20, and that is a, uh, a program not here in Brooklyn, but over in our suburban area of Long Island, uh, a St. Vincent de Paul uh, program. But to be perfectly honest, and I think it's a great, the idea is the same idea, how to, how to bring parishes of different economic and racial um, uh, demographics to get to know each other. Uh, the easiest thing to do is to see it as a money thing, and to, and I would say it, a lot of times it kind of it's it, it really becomes the money thing. How can a more affluent parish be more intentional with supporting a less affluent parish uh, or a low income parish? And then they hear some things. They you know there's something that are barred in the bulletin. Um, your money does this. This parish was able to do that thanks to your donation, which is good, but it's not what you're talking about. To be honest with you, it's not formation. It's not. It's not developing that mystical fraternity. I love that language from Pope Francis. 
in his uh, you know very first exhortation, mystical fraternity, this real this this solidarity, you know, the, the focus of his last encyclical, Fratelli Tutti, you know, these the, these real core relationships. It's a good beginning, and it, in, unfortunately, sometimes it gets left that way. So, no, when we're thinking about Journey to Justice, we are also thinking it from that angle of getting different parishes together, uh, use, you know, highlighting a community, a CBO, a community-based organization, uh, that we uh, are in financial relationship anyway. So that tripartite relationship that we had, I had the experience in Chicago. Um, that's what I, and that's in the back of my mind, something I very much want to see if we can recreate. Uh, because I think, you know, again, and the financial thing is usually what people, you know, get people on the table and it's fine. But uh, to really figure out how to have those, those, those moments, like you said, sharing the musical, the culture, the, the music, the food uh, of different ethnicities. Um, I'm thinking if we could do this in Sunset Park, where we kind of like I said about Cabrini and the Gold Coast, um, blocks away and yet miles apart, we have uh, communities where we, you know, based on a specific road, we know well, the Asian community is, you know, is very thick over here and the Hispanic community is very thick over here on the other side. And yet that one road does a very neat divide of both communities. And we have parishes on both of them. How can, you know, who are, again, blocks away from each other? You know, how can we, you know, get that? Could you imagine that type of, talk about um, oh, a fusion, you know, having, uh, you know, Chinese-Mexican fusion. I think that's just, uh, that's just a, a moneymaker right there. Well, and there are cooking shows that that deal with those very things, you know. Uh, um, that, uh, but but we need to do this on the faith level too, and and um, you know, uh, um, I think one of the things you know, Pope Francis has always been trying to get us to do is to experiment, you know. Keep trying to find new ways of doing these things to bring people together, to have the encounters, to have, uh, you know, people on the margins included, and. Um, you know, uh, you know, you mentioned CCHD a couple times, and and um, you know, um, so you know, even you know, as you know, you know, being in Brooklyn, you're you know, your neighbors of two other dioceses, you know, um, and uh, here in Kansas City, you know, right across the river is you know Kansas City, Kansas, and that's its own separate entity, and um, uh, and you know, we try and do different things with them as well. Uh, and one one of the ways we did that was through CCHD. We got you know some CCHD money, the both of us, and we decided, okay, we really want to spend this on immigrants. We want to focus on, you know, helping immigrants. And so the um, and so we did two things. On um, the uh, KCK used the money to start a community organizing group called Air um, Advocates of Immigrant Rights and and um, and and so, but we made it a cross diocesan project. And so uh, we started that about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now, and it's been going, you know, and they're doing great advocacy work on, on behalf of immigrants. And we've been able to get, you know, uh, you know, Catholics involved in that because it grew out of, you know, the Catholic experience. We've gotten, you know, um, uh, uh, priests engaged and you know and whatnot um <clears throat> and then 
What we did on our side is we created a, a, a Catholic worker movement, an intentional community. And we put it right in the heart of the immigrant population where uh, refugees are resettled uh, here on a regular basis. It's always been the refugee resettlement neighborhood. Uh, and so we put this intentional Catholic worker community there uh, to be a place of hospitality, to be a place of welcome for, uh, uh, and also a place of service for those in the immigrant communities with home repair, uh, with gardening. Um, we did community garden, it's called Jerusalem Farm, and, and it's literally an urban farm. Um, and it's really great for immigrant populations because most of those folks are coming from uh, uh, from agricultural societies. They, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, are accustomed to growing their own food and whatnot, and they come to America and they get this little postage stamp <laughs> backyard, or they're in an apartment with you know just a small courtyard. Uh, and so we, you know, so we've used that as a place of helping people to grow food, but also, you know, the Jerusalem Farm is also a place where they have community night every Tuesday. They invite people to the community, they have these big feasts and, and people come together um, uh, to encounter one another. Uh, you know, folks from different refugee populations, different countries, as well as, um, you know, as well as those of the Caucasian community who are part of the work of Jerusalem Farm and uh, and whatnot, and so it's becoming a place of meeting and encounter and whatnot. Uh, and so those two things, you know, we created charity and justice at the same time, right? We did a community organizing um, effort with AIR, and then we did this this uh, place of encounter and place of of uh, connection with immigrant populations with uh, Jerusalem Farm, and um, it's been a a tremendous thing on both ends. Um, obviously, we. <laughs> You know, uh, are not going to change the culture of the entire country with, you know, uh, but if we can model that if we can, you know, create those those paradigms and, you know, Jerusalem farm is a place that. Um, school groups go all the time for mission weeks and whatnot our, our Catholic high schools go there our, uh, you know, but also the Catholic universities will go and so they're encountering uh, in these week long experiences of mission, you know. Um, uh, you know, the neighborhood, the life and the, you know, the community. And uh, so it, it is having a larger effect, you know, in a ripple, hopefully, uh, throughout our community. Right. You know, I'm just as, as you're, I mean, these are all great examples. And, uh, and our fortuitousness is that, you know, the, the silver, the, you know, the, the silver uh, beam in this, uh, in this COVID uh environment that uh this COVID storm that we had uh is that through especially uh our pantries but our food problems and and redesigning health fairs and all that we've been really going out there and engaging the communities and it got us a lot of media highlight and all that that in turn got us to have people look towards us so you know whereas they you know couldn't go to church uh you know for the COVID reasons they were able to come out and, and participate. And that's that type of intermingling is kind of, is what was what we, uh, well, with the profit that we received. And so we wanna build on that now. This is, the, this is exactly what I feel like Pope Francis has been asking us to do in the midst of uh, how to respond to COVID. And so we want to, you know, people are getting this ability, this, this thought of going out 
service, getting to know their brothers and sisters. And now we want to be more intentional. These are great acts that you're doing. Get to know who these are. And the sec and the follow-up is like what you're describing. You know, getting the parishes to have a very concrete, you know, shared reality, getting them to know uh, community organizations much more, not just the people, not just the clients, quote unquote, the people that they serve, but get everybody to to really, you know, develop these these relationships. And once we do that, and, and so for me, the goal of formation is to develop relationships. Develop relationships, again, mystically with Christ and the Eucharist, mystically, you know, with, with the neighbors, with one another. And that way we can address one of the great issues that we've been facing right now, which is the division, the division in our nation uh, that uh, I think we still, we, we're, you know, we, we may be in a new administration, but it's still out there. It's still very tangible. You still see, um, you know, uh, this group versus that group. Um, and, uh, and you still see it in memes. You still see it in social media world. And so that's still the, the issue that we have to uh, address, that we have to, you know, respond to. How do you respond to that? I mean, you can do it intellectually again, but that's not going to do anything because, you know, the people who are intellectually on one side are going to think of it one way and the intellectually on the other side, they'll think of it in, in, in that other way. It's to, it's to build these connections, these real relationships, and then let the conversations happen and, and you know, and see where they go between the black and white issue, between, um, you know, the, the various ethnic uh, communities, between, you know, different economic uh, ways of uh, economic solutions, healthcare solutions, um, environmental solutions, you know, and, and, just, uh, and just get the conversations and people to really see that it's not just about an idea over here or ideology over here and ideology over there. Pope Francis says it many times. It's not about ideology. We can never get caught up with identifying with an ideological argument. That heady thing is great at, at some levels, but it falls flat um, at the level of actually moving forward with policy. To engage in policy, we have to find out where the people are at. Uh, you know, what's that famous Ignatian thing? Um, you know, it's go, go through their door and have them come out through your door. Where are the people at? And then, you know, how can we facilitate, facilitate a process going where people are at, where the African-American community, where the Hispanic community, where the, you know, the, the white community is at, where the Asian community is at, but have them all be able to come out in a way that they're in relationship to one another. It's a lofty goal, but it's, it's at the heart of what we're supposed to be about, so. Right, and you know, as we come to the end here, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure this is true in Brooklyn as it is here. You know, the the um, you know the obligation dispensation is being lifted in more and more places, and you know, people are invited to come back, you know, to church. And so this week was the first week for for people to come back, you know, invited to come back, and nobody was really sure, you know, what that was going to look like. Um, you know, for the past year, we've, you know, heard this fear and this, this, you know, whining about, oh, you know, uh, this is going to kill <laughs> faith life and this and that. And, and, uh, well, I, you know, I went to mass last night at my parish, um, and I was the usher. Um, I was one of the ushers and, um, the place was teeming with people. Uh, and I'm really close with the deacon administrator, you know, so we're talking after mass and he said, man. 
He said, that's a really good crowd. He said, I wasn't expecting that. And I said, well, you know, this is where faith comes in. You know, this is where we have to put aside all the all the noise from the blogosphere uh, and, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the armchair theologians and, uh, you know, and whatnot that, that, you know, are always preaching gloom and doom and, and say, hey, look, you know, let's trust God's people. You know, God is at work at them and, and they're going to come back. Uh, you know, just invite them. Don't beat them over the head and say, oh, you got to go because the dispensation has been lifted, the obligation. Well, no, just invite them. And they have. Um, and our parish is actually going to go through a process uh, uh, starting in the fall of sitting down and having conversations with people after mass, uh, you know, just trying to say, hey, where are you at? You know, we've got this vision for the parish. You know, what gifts and talents do you have? We want to include everybody in the work of ministry in some way, whether it's liturgical, whether it's formation wise, whether it's, um, you know, the biggest thing in our parish right across the street are the two largest hospitals in the city. We've got our, our children's hospital and our um, city hospital uh, research medical. Uh, and um, we want to do an active ministry to those places. And so we're going to invite people to to take part in that. And, and um, um, we're also uniquely situated in the city where we're right next to the headquarters of Hallmark. Um, so, uh, you know, the nickname of our parish is Our Lady of Hallmark. Uh, even though it's Our Lady of Sorrows, uh, but but we're we're you know we're there, and, and so um, and all we have is a church building and a rectory. That's all we have. Um, but we're going to find a way to do ministry in the city uh, with what we have and, and and with the people we have. Um, we've experienced a number of young people interested in uh, uh, in belonging to the church. Um, the whole area has been redeveloped with condos and you know uh, new apartment buildings and whatnot. So you have a lot of young young folks living in the neighborhood now, and um, so we've seen some interest in that. And and um, so um, so you know I just want to say to folks, you know, have faith in God's people. You know, if you have faith in God, have faith in God's people because God is present in His people. And um, uh, invite them. Listen to them, as John said, uh, and out of that will come new ways of, of serving God's people. We've talked about a lot of examples here, um, you know, in Brooklyn and Chicago and Kansas City. I mean, just uh, all over the place. Uh, um, and I'm curious to hear what other people have to, you know, share about, you know, uh, different ways of reaching people as well. So. Please continue to share those with us as we go forward to encounter Christ in sacrament, in word, and in other people. Amen. Amen.